0: This Eufy Lock is fantastic and I highly recommend it. Search UFI Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round-tip boots, and I'm worn with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me, and he's asking me where I got them. I told them the only place to get them, to And they have a seasonal, limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do, and Tacovas has first-wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit TCOBAS.com. That's T E C O B A S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to dacovus.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. Taporia versus Volk would look like the match to make at 45. If Volk is leaving 45 to 55, he needs to leave the belt behind. That's my opinion. I'm going to push for that. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Man, UFC 290 was one of the best international fight week cards in some time. And coming up on today's show, I'm going to talk about all of it. Robbie Lawler went out in style. Bo Nickel showed his hands. Volkanovski did what Volkanovski does. And Adesanya potentially made a fool of himself. I'm going to get into all of this and more in today's episode, but I want to begin by giving the champion his due. Volkanovski, where do you put him, guys? Where do, where do you put him? I was on Ariel's show earlier today. I got asked. Ariel told me, he said, Chale, I have Volkanovski as the greatest pound-for-pound fighter today. Do you, do you have a problem with that? And... I had a problem with the fact that Errol thought he was taking a risk by calling Volk the greatest pound-for-pound fighter today. I, th- that was my problem. That's not a risk. That's very that's glaringly obvious. And you could throw some other guys in there, right? You could you could bring in Islam, you could bring in John Jones. Like you could do those things. But Volk is in the conversation, the very small conversation for the greatest to have ever done it, for the greatest of all time, not for the greatest of this time. They they crowned him the greatest featherweight of all time a year or so ago. I can't remember the fight that he had where they came out and said, that hey, this is the greatest featherweight they've ever done. And then, But then guys conceded that to him. Like Max gave it to him and uh, the great Jose Aldo came out and paid him that respect. And so we're just having a very different conversation. But let's try to break this down a little bit, okay? Because there was a few things that happened here. Volk has made it very clear that he wants to fight Islam. He's made that very clear. And... It was to the point that he didn't want to fight Rodriguez. I want, he wanted to fight Islam. And they finally came to terms, right? They finally had made a deal and said, look, you fight rear and you beat him, and Islam wins his next match. We'll, we'll do the rematch, right? The, the deal was made and the gauntlet was set. So Uriah, or I apologize, Volt goes out and does his part. And it was dominant, right? It was absolutely dominant. Your ear Rodriguez is such a threat. He is such a threat in so many different areas. And it was, a, it was a big question of, can your rear keep the distance? Can your rear make this a kicking game? And there were several moments and high spots of that fight where they were at range and they were kicking, but Volk was kicking back and doing just fine. Was, I mean, that was a big surprise. You've got, this, you've got a former rugby player out of New Zealand who's training at a gym who in their title on the building outside says kickboxing. It's called city kickboxing. And they're putting out the best MMA fighters that we've ever seen. It's a very interesting thing. So Volk gets his win. And when Volk got his win... Right, for, for Volk, that was a unification. All oh, right, right, I apologize. For the world and for marketing purposes, that was a unification of the interim championship and the undisputed championship. But for Volk, that was a number one contenders match. Volk had to do and win that match to get the match that he wanted at 155 pounds. Earlier that same day, Charles Oliveira does an interview and says he's not going as reported and scheduled and planned, to fight Islam in October. And that right there was weird. This represents the third time that I can tell you. I I don't follow Charles' career terribly closely. I could tell you off the top of my head, three. this is now the third time that he has turned that fight down. So, I mean, he's getting, like, somebody is trying to force him into doing something. He's, he, this is his third time not wanting to do the fight. And I'll go through him right off the top of my head. His own coach came out and said he was offered it as soon as he got out of the ring with Islam, that they were going to pull and not do the Volk match. It's according to his own coach. And that Charles said no. Charles' own verified Twitter account put out a poster saying he was going to fight Conor McGregor. That was two weeks ago. Charles has now come out and done a media interview on Saturday and says, I'm not going to make this date. Quit talking about it. So it would appear that now the door is open for Volkanovsky, and it's a very weird spot. All right? Let's back the timeline up. You got Volk versus Islam. Who did better? Who should get the nod? Who should get the awards? But, right? We play this game a certain way. Who does that go to? It goes to Islam. That's who it goes to. But Islam is unemployed. Islam said no job. He's got no job scheduled. He's got a rumor job in October, but he's got nothing scheduled. Meanwhile, the guy that he beat got a match, got a main event, got a million dollars or more, got a training camp, got to compete, got the press tour, got his license, got to America, got to Vegas, got his hand raised. That's the guy that Islam beat Got all those things. Islam has no opponent. He has no date. He has no contract. He has no bout agreement. He has a rumored opponent who now has told the world for the third time he's not doing it. I believe him. I don't think he's doing it. So who is? Who is going to do it? I don't know. Teporia wants the match with Volk. Teporia versus Volk would look like the match to make at 45. If Volk is leaving 45 to 55, he needs to leave the belt behind. That's my opinion. But I'm, I'm going to push for that. He's do it for a couple of reasons. One, to let guys like Tuporia get on with it. He already had that division weight. That's not right. And two, I think it's the reason he didn't beat Islam, right? That fight was very close. But Volk, win or lose, was going to wake up world champion the next day. It's a very unique spot. and It's, it's hard to feel that pressure and it's hard to feel that drive you've got to burn your boats to some degree. I think it was a mistake. And I don't think that he should make it twice. I think if he wants to go to 55, I wish him well. I'd love to see him up there. But I think he needs to leave the belt behind at 45. And as far as what's going on at 55, man, it's a really tough spot. It's a really tough spot. Islam himself deserves a match. But Islam himself has done nothing to get himself a match. You have Charles, who's now done three things to get out of a match. you have Volk who's talking about he's hurt and he owes to Poria one but he says he wants the match. I mean, it's It's this interesting spot where I for one would like a little bit of clarity. do Du C. I've worked on that name, guys. I got it perfectly. Drukus Du Plessy. I like DDP. But I worked on that, and the first time I'd heard of him, I don't remember dates. I don't remember things like this. I just don't. I couldn't tell you dates of my own matches, just by example. But I know a date of his. I know the date that I learned about him. It was for the December 10th card of last year, and I remember it very clearly. There's a Canadian guy named Jarekis Duplessis, and he's on Twitter, and he's angry. He's a 185-pounder. He's on the December 10th card, which, by the way, sucked. And it's got a main card, which is a debut of a guy named Bo Nickel, who is ranked nothing, who has no record, who has never been here before, who's in the same weight class. This is DDP talking, and I'm stuck down here on the undercard. So if you think this is where I am and you think that's where he is, then let's have us fight. You gave him a fight where he's a 20 to 1 favorite. I'm not a favorite at all. Let me go up here and fight him. If he's so good, let me just fight him. And it was a very interesting argument. And it was dismissed. But people did pay attention to it. And it was the right people that paid attention to it. And as that December 10th show got closer, Bo Nickel came off the card with an injury. And now you need to move somebody up. And it wasn't a question of who we're going to move up. We're going to move up the only guy that's asked to be moved up. And so now, Doricus Duplessis, initials DDP, that people were not familiar with is a main card fighter. And that was in December, guys. December? We were just in December. That just happened. December's not... And now the guy's a main eventer. He went from an undercard. I have no idea what he was ranked. I suspect he might have been because he had a pretty good record, it like 12 and 2. I looked it up. It's pretty good. That's off the top of my head. But he's now the number one ranked guy in the world. And he's the same guy. He's not any better today than he was in December. Not not one bit better. But you have a perception. You you must have a popularity to move your ranking. Right. We're going to tell the world that it's based on skill and achievement, but it's it's you must have a popularity to get our attention. He's not any better today than he was in December. Not one punch better. I don't know what he was ranked in December or if he even was. I know that he's the number one guy in the world now. I know, and I'm telling you what a difference is that seven months. What a difference seven months made. But guys, let me tell you what a difference seven days made. Because a week ago today, DDP, who got the attention of the champion, but he wasn't ranked high enough. He was ranked number six. He had the attention of the champion. He had the mandate of the champion. He had the call out by the champion. But for the first time ever, the champion was told no. And I do, I do mean ever. Israel Osani, for the first time was told no, we can't, we can't do it. He's not ranked high enough. We grab guys out of the top five. He's number six. We can't do it. We'll give him an opportunity to prove himself. And if he does, we can then get you what you want. So Duplessis, seven days ago, is ranked number six. That was the that was the right ranking. That's where he should have been. And he's now not only ranked number one. Okay, I, I want you to understand this stuff. A week ago, he was ranked number six. On Saturday, he went off a three-to-one underdog. DDP is a top five to have ever done it. That DDP that Robert Whitaker had to deal with, that guy, if that guy shows up again and again and again, that guy is a top five middleweight that you've ever seen. He was ranked number six a week ago, right now for this snapshot in time. That guy that Whitaker fought, there's not five guys in history that could deal with him. So, I mean, what an interesting spot. And I didn't recognize him, DDP. I didn't recognize him. I didn't know who that was. The first three minutes of that fight, that was the DDP that I knew. That was the one that I have seen. And the last one minute of the first round of that fight is where the new guy showed up. And the new guy stuck around. I mean, this this was a performance where... It would have been laughed at to move him, go back to December, to move him up and put him against Bo Nickel. It it would not matter that if you're twelve and two, and it wouldn't matter if you were ranked, and Bo's never done this before, and he's debuting. Bo's going to beat you up badly. You aren't a wrestler. He's the best wrestler in the division. But that's not so obvious now, is it? I mean, that isn't so obvious that Bo's going to go run over DDP or anybody else is going to go run over DDP. And there must be something when you feel that guy. There must be something because he's won a lot of fights. And it's hard to see. I mean, I saw him changing his stance. And he he looks like he, it looks like his conditioning's very well. And he he even talked about that after the fight. He said he was never once tired, was breathing through his nose the whole time. And it might sound like a simple comment that you would set down, but it's a really big deal. it's a really big deal how conditioned he is. It's a really big deal that he was going orthodox in Southpaw. It's a really big deal that he was able to, you know, I mean, he threw Robert Whitaker in a headlock. A headlock, if you had a little brother and you were, you would put him in a headlock and that would be one step before you gave him a noogie. Okay. For me to explain to you, okay, a headlock, it's a joke. It's a headlock. It's a joke. He did a joke on one of the best fighters I've ever seen, and it worked, and he scored with it in live competition. I mean, it was, it, it, there was a lot of things in that match that didn't make sense, but you had an effort, and you had a skill, and you had an athleticism, and you had a strength, and you had a drive, and you had a determination, right? I mean, all of these buzzwords, but DDP's got them. DDP versus Bo Nickel in December was a joke, DDP versus Darren Till in March was a crapshoot. DDP versus Whitaker three nights ago was a three-to-one dog. DDP's the number one guy in the world. That's where we stand today. He's not any better. He's not one bit better. We just didn't know. We just simply didn't know. And... When I watch him, I watch where he's at. People say that MMA math doesn't work. And they say that Styles makes fights. MMA math works all the time. It's not perfect, but it is the absolute best indicator you're going to have to make a prediction. And I don't know what Styles makes fights mean. I've, I've never known what that means. You've got your skills and i got my skills and we're going to go fight each other. And that seems like a a very difficult match for anybody. And I'm talking about DDP. This is a guy that was dismissed. It was a guy that had to prove himself. Well, he proved himself. So here we are. I felt for DDP on Saturday. I felt for him because. I felt as though I understood him and the spot that he found himself in, which was a very good case of, be careful what you ask for, because you just might get it. And Adesanya jumped in the ring, right? Adesanya's got a job to do. Adesanya has a job, which is to make you, you, the public, as interested in his next fight as he possibly can. That is a job that almost no fighter under contract understands that they have. But he does understand it. And it's a game he is willing to play. And he got in the ring and he used very strong language to make his point. But he was very serious. And it was in his eyes. And it was in his face. And he meant it. And it was real. And it was powerful. And he let us, the audience, in on it. It was great. It was a very... Great spot, but there was a look in Duplicy's eyes. There was there was a look where DDP, who has now got what he wanted, he wanted to fight for the championship. He wanted to fight on a main card. Seven months ago, he was campaigning just to be on TV. Just so you understand, okay? You have the guy that's already made it. You got the guy who already got the belt, he's already solidified in the sport. He'll be in the video game, his merchandise will sell. he'll be in the hall of fame someday. He'll be remembered, he'll be a commentator on the desk if that's what he chooses to be. You have a guy that's done it. And by the way, he's rich, okay? But now you have Duplices, who's just trying to get on the docket with him. And to get on the docket with him, i got to beat a whole bunch of other guys, and I've got to pretend that I think that you are one of the guys that I can also beat, whether I really feel that or not. And maybe he does, but I'm sharing with you. Whether he really feels that or not, Duplices must convince the world just to get the contract that he does believe it. And if he can get the contract, then he, who is not rich, who has not made it, who is not guaranteed to be in the Hall of Fame, who is not the champion of the world, can finally have his opportunity. And that was all he was trying to get. And he's found himself in a situation of being face to face in a very tension-ridden situation that now involves race one of the hardest and toughest situations to navigate for anybody. And it wasn't what he asked for. And he was surprised when he found himself there. It was a very hard response. And it was also, we were witnessing DDP realizing for the first time, this guy doesn't get it. This guy is actually mad this guy is actually offended. This guy doesn't understand. I'm not in that spot. I'm just trying to get the match. And I I just understood it. I just understood it on a different level where what people were willing to say or where people were willing to go with that or where, where they were trying to pull Duplicy or pull some of Duplicy's comments and they simply weren't true. I've heard a number of things that Duplessis said that he most certainly did not say. And he did make it about nationality. That's true. And you will find the African comments. That's true. But he didn't make it about race. That is not true. And that's not fair. And you had a guy that's looking around going, wait a minute. Don't give all the guy, Don't give all the credit to this guy for making this fight. Okay? I did my part too. This guy's is being understood different. Mine is being misunderstood. I'm just trying to get the fight. And now he's got it. And I don't know where they will go moving forward, but I don't believe they're going to stay where they are now cuz I don't think that the media can get behind it. I mean when when Izzy got in the ring and he began to use the N-word, I lost track at 3 and I lost track at 3 because I was every time I was I was surprised and it was more than 3. I stopped at 3. And it made the media very uncomfortable. Now, something happened there. Something powerful happened there. But how do you acknowledge it? And how do you talk about it? And how do you break it down? How do you quote it? Do you see the very hard spot that the media finds itself? And I'm not positive moving forward. There's a way that you pick a fight. There's a way that you get a fight. There's a different way that you promote a fight. Not very many guys understand that concept but it is out there, and these two do. And I'm not convinced moving forward that they're going to promote the fight the way that they picked the fight. But it's an interesting conversation, and even if it makes people uncomfortable, and we went to the press conference, and John Morgan, God bless him, he hit it. He, is, he stood right up and took it on. He stood right up, questioned number one, and he addressed it. And it was tough. It's an interesting spot we're in. And Duplessis did not mean to make the biggest fight in history. He did not mean to make the biggest fight of 2023. He did not make, mean to make the biggest fight of Israel Adesanya's illustrious career. He didn't mean to do any of those things. Seven months ago, he was trying to get on television. Saturday night, he was trying to become a number one contender, potentially. But this, this, this ball got away from him. And when it had that face off, I, I just I understood. I understood where he found himself. And what are you gonna do now? What are you gonna do now? You got to back down from the monster that you created? Racing season is underway, new customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use the promo code CHAIL, bet $5, and get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Guys, there's a $15 entry to potentially win $350,000 for the engineer, and I suggest you get in on that action. That's code CHAIL, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York. Call 877 hopeny or text H-O-P-E-N-Y to number 467-369. In West Virginia, please visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races, all games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Please see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash auto racing terms. Bo Nickel is in an interesting position. You have this, you have a world champion wrestler. And a little bit of that is chale speak for its hardcore wrestling fans. But America is the only country in the world that contests a style called collegiate. So if you win the national championship in America for collegiate, you are now the world champion. But a lot of people don't like that speak right? I mean, that's cheating. That's what football and basketball do. They're the national football association. They're the national basketball league. And then when you win it, they call you a world champion. Wrestling doesn't like to do that. They they know that's a scumbaggery and they know it's cheating. I like scumbags and I like to cheat. I call them a world champion. And when you're in that kind of a situation, you're going to have a few fights of free reign Let your hands go, you just will. All wrestlers do, and there will also be a deception period for the wrestlers that let their hands go and find success. There will be a, a deception period of well roundedness, there'll be a deception period of this. This is the great, this is the one. This is this is since 1993 what the sport's been looking for. It's right here. When the reality is. The opponents thought that you were going to come out and wrestle. It turned out you let some hands go. You did it two or three times. Guys, watch the tape, and the gig is up. And I'm not saying which is which. What I'm suggesting for you is this is a difficult spot that Bo is in, and he's passing with flying colors. Bo Nickel does not know, and this is not an exaggeration. This, I, I don't say this to, to prove a point. This, these are literal words. Bo Nickel does not know. Bo Nichols' a father, Jason, doesn't know that in this sport, when your phone rings and they tell you the date and the opponent, that you can say no. It, it would never cross Jason nickel that's his father, or Bo Nichols' mind. It would never, never. Like, Bo would, could never get a phone call and, and pop in and tell Kale Sanderson yeah, they, they want me to fight this guy, and Kale's gonna go, don't fight that guy. We gotta, we gotta get a different guy. Like, that is no part of a wrestler's mindset at all for me. Oh, thank you, buddy. It's just no part of a wrestler's mindset whatsoever. That's very nice of you. Thanks, Ethan. And I share that with you because it was a last-minute fight. The guy was set with me. What do you know about a guy? You know, he's got a different body type than I've trained with. He's got a different body type than I'm prepared for. He's undefeated. And according to his record, he's pretty good at knocking people out this looks pretty straightforward that I need to go out and take him down, right? But Bo decided not to do that. It's very interesting. Now, it's tough. From a character development standpoint, It, it's very tough. Bo did not give the world a lot. He didn't give the world a lot to work with. And maybe he's the smartest guy in the room. Maybe he's got a strategy on that, right? I mean, there's a chance that say, okay, hey, listen, uh, I get some big press here, right? My checks are the same. If I win or if I show if I win, my check is the same. If I look great doing it and I can get an of the night bonus, it doesn't matter if I'm a kajillion to one favorite. Like that has literally never been factored in to an of the night bonus, ever. If you're a kajillion to one favorite. So, so if the money's the same and the placement on the card is good, we're cool in the gang. I'm 26 years old. See you when I'm 29, right? It could, it could be a situation like that. It could be. But you're not going to get Chemayev. You're just not going to get Chemayev. Unless you piss off Chamayev, then you get him right now. It'd be, it'd be done. It'd be done at the press conference tonight. You call out Chumayev, you upset Chumayev, you get a response from Chumayev, you're now fighting Chemaev in October. And that was prime for the taking. And it was so blatantly passed over. I have to assume it's by design and that's okay because the checks are the same and the card placement is beautiful. And the of the nights don't get factored in if the guy's a rising star, or if the guy got signed on Thursday. So I'm just suggesting for you, there's different ways to do it. And I thought that it was very calculated how it was done. I don't I don't have a problem with it. If you're looking to be if you're looking to be, right? You're looking to be the good guy and be in church on Sunday and want to tell you what a good decide. If that's what you do, man, you you absolutely. You nailed it. You nailed it. Sure. And you're not gonna go backwards, by the way. You got TV time, you're on the main card, and you get knockouts in a second, you don't you don't go backwards, you don't work your way down the card. It's literally called a promotion, right? Literally, it's this is literally called a promotion. You do a good job, you get promoted, you go up, you go that away. But you're not getting in there with Jamayo. That's not that's not an interesting match without the back and forth. Without the young, clean cut, American wrestling, in my opinion, world champion. I I believe he's a four-time world champion. I believe that. I know he won the University Worlds. I believe he won three NCAAs. I think he's a four-time world champion. I can live with you telling me he's not. But I think it's an incredible story. If... There's a back and forth. If you've got the bad guy versus the good guy, which you got. The story works, but you got to find each other. Right? Nobody's looking for hard fights. I mean, you got to understand that. If you if you're out playing a game which is not to call for hard fights. Hard fights don't don't call for you. Right? It doesn't work that way. Chemayev isn't looking to do anything harder than he's got to do either. Now, his spots and what we believe is number one contenderships, and what we believe is going to be a co-main event. Even a little bit of a different conversation, but you play in the same game. And as we move forward, I am very curious what's next for Jemayev. I really am. That seems to be the one that isn't quite talked about. Jemayev did an interview recently saying that he doesn't know. Kamar Uzman partook in media two days ago on Thursday. And said he thought he was fighting Shemaya. And we've all heard those rumors in the catchweight and knew that wasn't going to be. And before that, it was Paul Acosta who got switched over and thought there was a little bit room, a little bit room there for Izzy, right? Who Izzy's next opponent was going to be? I mean, I told you guys I didn't believe the Prohosco rumors, but that the Prohosco rumors were out there. So it's just a very, it's a very interesting spot at 185. And there's some big fights and there's some big matches. And the matchmakers will go through contracts and see oh, we owe a fight to this guy and we owe a fight to this guy. They'll do that, or you can find them yourself. Or you can avoid them yourself. And I believe that's what we saw tonight. Best fight, guys, I have ever seen. Now, and this changes. You guys will give me some grace. You you understand that that's a, right, I could change that next week. We could see something next week, and I could change it again the week after that. But at one point in time, it was a 19-year-old. Is that right? Robbie Lawler debuted at 19 years old. <sighs> Did he debut against Tiki. Is that who who Lawler first fought? One of Lawler's very early fights, I'm not sure he was 19, he might have turned 20, but he fought Aaron Riley, a Matt Hume uh, disciple from AMC, and Lawler versus Riley was the best fight I had ever seen, and we'd never seen guys take blows like that in MMA. And moving forward in Lawler's career, we never saw anybody take blows from Lawler like that. Right, like Aaron Riley deserved a lot more credit. Aaron Riley had a good career and he's got good memories. He wanted to be a coach. He's a very nice guy. He lives up the road. He deserves more credit. If you look at what Robbie Lawler just did, and you go back and watch what Riley took from Lawler and gave back, it was just one of these wonderful fights. And Robbie Lawler, I remember being in an event, and it was right after the UFC. They used to do the some smaller shows. UFC used to play Friday nights, just so you know, right? Now now they're on Saturdays and 10 o'clock Eastern. But they used to play Friday. And then they started playing Friday, and then sometimes it was Saturday, and it got a little bit confusing. and They finally locked in on Saturday. But I'm I'm just reminding you. So they would play Friday night, but then you'd have somebody else trying to pick up the leftover fans and they go to like the hard rock, they get a good little casino, they set up a cage, and and, and they do a show on Saturday. And it was great fun, actually. If you made it out to Vegas and it was a destination, there's only five and six UFCs a year. So if you, if you could go out and get get two shows for one, if you had to buy a couple of tickets, it's a very cool thing. And there was a show and they brought Lawler out and people were coming up, there saying hi to him. And he did not like it. I mean, to the point that he was a jerk. Yeah, I'll go as far as to say that, but he didn't want to be. He didn't know how to deal with that. He was 19 years old and everyone knows who he is. This fight with Riley was a big deal. And Lawler got discovered... Dana White used to attend events live. He would attend and he would recruit. And one of the events that he went to, one of the few events that there even was, but it was called Super Brawl. Very good promoter named TJ. Used to do a great job. Kind of stepped away from the sport. Was putting these shows on called Super Brawl in Hawaii. And Robbie Lawler went out there and he had the heavy hands. He was a young kid. And he had the militage, He had a couple of things with him. He had the right look and scary eyes. Great big shelf life. And Dana White stood up from his chair. And started yelling. He was just yelling. There was no, he wasn't even talking to anyone. But he was yelling, I'm going to make that kid a star. Whether that happened or not, I was told that it happened. Josh Barnett told me that he was there, super, that he saw Dana, that, that, and then Dana signs Robbie Live. I've always believed that to be true. I'm quite sure that it is a true story. What I'm sharing for you is early on in Robbie's career, he wasn't ready socially to handle that success. Right? And I witnessed that with my own, where right, I'd see him in. I was, one of the, I, wa- I was one of those guys that wanted to go up and pat him like, Oh, hey, you're the guy. You're the guy. You won. You fought Aaron riot. It was the greatest fight I've ever seen. And I didn't do it because I saw other people that did. I, he didn't like it. He did not like it. And I took that with me. I remember the first time I said hi to him. I was going to say hi to him that night. I, did, I didn't do it. And he even did an interview after that with one of the dot coms and said, I don't know what these people are walking up to me like they know me for. And it was like 15 years later. And I ran into Robbie. It was, it was in a bar, at a, it, just in the hotel we were staying at for the IFL. And I didn't really know I didn't really know what to say. Do I go introduce myself? Do I not? Right? I mean, I had I had this thing, I had this thing all these years before where he looked like he didn't want anyone to say hi. And he said, "What's up, Jail?" Like that, like we knew each other. And I rolled right? What's up, Robbie? We started talking, and before I know we go, we just changing numbers and he's doing podcasts and whatnot. But it, he he was such an interesting guy. I don't know of anyone that had a surgeons. I could tell you a couple of resurgences. I can't think of anyone that had a surgeons as late in his career as Robbie Lawler. And it was very, it was very definable. I mean, you you could study the timeline and study Robbie's career. And I don't think I missed any of his fights, man. I watched in the force and the, the I watched him at 170 and I watched him at 185. I watched his... I watched all these matches. I'll share with you, if you follow the timeline of his career, you could take a finger and you could poke it right through the calendar. It was when Robbie went to American Top Team. And even talking with teammates, right? Like, I remember the Miletic guy saying that Robbie didn't like to warm up. On fight night, he would not warm up. He would be in the back and decline warm-up, he'd stretch a little bit, wait till they called his name. And I'll just tell you, as an athlete, that's that's a very hard thing to do because there is a very real, there's something called a second wind. And if you can burn that first one out, it doesn't feel very good, it doesn't get you very far, but that second one, boy, that that wall's a lot further out there in most athletes. I would trust that he would know himself, but maybe not. And and, and then he left Militich, ended up in Arizona. And a lot of those guys said that he would come in, and he would work hard, but it would be shorter. He, he wouldn't come in and do the whole practice. He would come in shorter, and he'd go intense, and he'd go hard, and he wouldn't miss practice, but he would go short. I, just, I remember hearing these things. And he goes out to Coconut Creek, and his teammates are talking about they, they can't go to the gym and not see him. There was some kind of a strength and conditioning coach specifically at ATT and Coconut Creek. So There was some with the strength and conditioning where well, Robbie just never missed. He believed in this guy, he felt, and off they went. And you look at Robbie Lawler, who used to be five-minute guy, right? He was going to bring you hell in that first round. But if you could get out of it, the odds really look good for you. Right? Or at least they started to increase. You get into the third round. Now now they're, now they're leaning in your favor. He goes from five-minute guy to five-round guy. Right? One the most endurance athletes, the Matt Browns the Rory McDonald's, just for example, where these guys are talking about his toughness and they're talking about his conditioning. And they're talking about his heart. They're talking about how hard he was to deal with later in the fight. I, I, I would argue for you, one of the great rivalries ever, and it, it came and left, but it should be revisited. Ever. One of the great rivalries ever, without exaggeration, Robbie Lawler, and Johnny Hendricks, but what was so incredible about the Lawler era it was the fifth round, and that just wasn't a tool that he had in his 20s. It took a maturity and it took into his 30s, and you could, you could point right to where it came. And now he's done. I mean, nobody gets to go out like that, right? But, you know, sometimes. Sometimes it's what dreams are made of. Congratulations and thanks for the memories, Robbie Lawler. John Jones versus Steve Mecicich. November MSG, right? We had we had this rumor, and these two were going to get backburnered if Conor McGregor entered the pool and could fight Chandler, was also a rumor. I believe both of these to be true. I can't guarantee either one of those is accurate. So, but in the meanwhile, right? In the meanwhile, it is now rumored, but to the appropriate levels that Francis Ngannou versus Tyson Fury is done and is going to happen. Not only is it done and it's going to happen, it's going to be announced this week. And there's only one place that has the ability to lose the money that you're going to lose doing that match. Well, that happens to be the place that's rumored to be hosting the event. I mean, there's a lot of things that check off here. I'm not ready to tell you that fight's going to happen. Very good people have told you this three times, and they lied. So... We'll wait for that announcement, but I, I do bring that to you because when we got that reported on the, the strongest of levels, which is one of the most powerful guys in boxing, Eddie Hearn, who came out and told Ariel Hawani the details and what is going on, it is now all of a sudden, okay, that's very believable, and that right away after this came out, right away is the announcement of Stipe versus Jones. Are those two related and does it matter? Who knows? Who knows? There, there, there are some conspiracies. There are some beliefs out there. But I get asked my opinion on this. I get asked my opinion if, if there's counter programming or if the announcement of these two heavyweights has to do with the announcement of these two heavyweights, which one would you rather see? You're putting a fight fan in a very tough spot because the rules of the playground still apply to the Octagon. It's the exact same rules with a different environment. And I never wanted to see somebody fight that didn't want to fight. And John Jones and Steve Miocic clearly do not want to fight. And if that's both of them or that's one of them and it hasn't been revealed to us, okay, fine. But they clearly don't want to fight. They had this opportunity over and over and over again. And they don't want to fight each other. And new contenders have come up. And so you've got this interesting spot of, if you get asked about it today, there's a lot of work to do for that fight. It's very hard when guys don't want to fight, but then you got Francis and you got Fury. And they clearly don't want to fight. Fury brought Francis to England and in front of 93,000 people where he promised them all he was never going to box again, he also promised them he was going to do something, something. So they were going to make up a sport. But they were going to do something with Francis. And he then promised the world that he was off to the Middle East and he was going to fight with so and so. I can't remember who that was. Remember they were going to do that. And they were going to bring Anthony Joshua and they're going to bring that guy that's carrying the gun now because he's scared of me. And they're going to bring were, all these guys. were going to go out there and it was two hundred million dollars in purse. remember we had a lot of details on it. None of it was true. None of it was, it was all a lie. And okay, so now we're back. We're back. We're back to Francis. Well, it's, as soon as you came off, Francis, it's clear you don't want to fight Francis. Oh, and by the way, there, there was a Ruiz slipped in there. There, there was a. Uh, there's a guy out of the Ukraine. His name's like Usyk. He was thrown in there twice. So I, I'm just sharing for you that as, as soon as Tyson Fury came off of Francis, he now doesn't want to fight Francis. As soon as he tried to fight Usyk, as soon as he agreed to do the thing. In the Middle East, as soon as he agreed to those things, he doesn't want to fight Francis. So now we're back at Francis. So now we've got two fights to choose from. We're between the four competitors. The only thing that we know is they don't want to fight. And it's a a tough spot. It's a tough spot to put a fan. What what, what do I want to do? Who do I want to cheer for? I, I don't want guys to fight that don't want to fight. And the four of them clearly don't. This isn't my opinion. These are facts. It is a fact that Jones and Angano was tried to make for December 10th. I'm also aware it's a fact that that was denied. It's a fact that that was tried to be made. It's a fact that Stipe tried to get the fight with Jones on March 4th, and they brought out a guy that was one and one in his last two and gave it to him instead. It's a fact that Jones and Stipe fainted To the world that they were going to do this on International Fight Weekend. There wasn't even a heavyweight fight on the main card for International Fight Weekend. This isn't Chael creating things. These guys don't want to fight. And then Gano and Fury don't want to fight. And I'll never get tired of seeing. And you must understand. The sport of boxing exists on one Premise. There there is one fundamental foundation that you could trace back from now to the beginning of boxing. And there's only one. It's very relevant to understand this. There's not two, there's not three things that were true at the beginning of boxing and that are still true today. There's one. There's one principle. And that's finding a guy that's willing to lose money. And the whole sport goes away once you stop finding a guy that's willing to lose money. They don't make money on boxing events, they lose money. You don't see the same guy doing multiple events. He does one event and he loses his money. You gotta go find another guy. And I bring that to you because you have the most polished and professional man in Eddie Hearn who came out and told the media that there's a fight announcement coming for, and gone on Fury. Well, then who's holding the fight? Who's writing the check? Who's the promoter? Who's organizing it? If it's not Eddie, who's got the money? Who's got the connections if it's not Eddie? I'm I'm asking you a rhetorical question. You'd have to know the sport of boxing to have that answer. But allegedly, that's coming this week. Stand by. All right, guys, that's it for today's program. Thank you for listening. And for those of you that joined me on my YouTube channel after UFC 290, as always, I appreciate your support. I'm going to have more about UFC 290 and the fallout from all of the stories on Friday's podcast. Until then, I'm Chael Sutton, and you are welcome.